This podcast is brought to you by Media 8. Welcome to Off the Cuff with Kel, conversations from the front line, a podcast and live show for survivors and the leaders who support them. I'm your host, Kelly Humphreys, a survivor of child sexual abuse, advocate, author, speaker, ambassador, a lover of all things outdoors with over 15 years of law enforcement experience. Please support me in my mission to break cycles of abuse and trauma. You can help by donating to my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. Well, good evening, guys. Hello and welcome to another episode of Off the Cuff with Kel. I'm so excited uh, to be here tonight with my very special guest, Michelle Cannon. Welcome, Michelle. Mm, thanks for having me, Kel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's very exciting. Guys, just before we do get started, I just need to drop in a warning that uh, there is some stuff that we will discuss tonight, obviously, that um, could be potentially triggering. So just be mindful, we do have some support numbers uh, that you can find on my website. So, um, Michelle, oh my goodness, um, we only met last week, you guys, down at Melbourne. You would have seen my post. Um, we connected um, over being able to share our passion and what we're doing uh, very passionately from a stage and being able to put courses and that sort of type of stuff. So um, Michelle's doing some really powerful stuff. Um, she's a clinical therapist with 25 years experience. She's a transformational coach, the founder and creator of the SACCESS, so SACCESS, S-A-C-C-E-S-S method, and she's a trained keynote speaker. Um, she's powerhouse of knowledge, guys, and absolute soulful woman. So when we did connect, I really um, had a heart connection with Michelle. So I really, truly wanted her to be um, on this podcast today, specifically talking about this topic. So um, very blessed to have you, Michelle. Mm, honor and an absolute pleasure, Kel. Mutually, mutually, when we when we connected, it was it was instant. We just. There was there was a knowing. There was an absolute knowing. So it's it really is. I'm looking forward to this conversation tonight. <laughs> it's going to be a nice, tough one. Um, yeah, but look, I, I a part of what the course was about was sharing our our stories and um, some of the things Michelle was able to share was just so powerful. And I just just from the the get go, uh, Michelle, I just wanted to hand over to you just to share um, the parts of your story. Uh, just for our listeners out there and, and, and some of the journey that you've gone through. Uh, and then we'll tackle this, the, the grief of survival, because it is such a powerful topic. Mm. Um, and, and one I think we do need to crack open um, and to, to have these really big conversations. So I'll hand over to you, Shell, and, mm. uh, yeah, you can share your story with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I guess for, for me from a very young age, um, the reoccurring life cycles, patterns, behaviours really showed themselves. Um, you know, it start from when I was 21. I found my best girlfriend's baby passed from cot death. I'd had a string of really um, intense toxic relationships. I was in, in, a, in a pretty pretty uh, toxic relationship at that stage. Um, you know, as life goes on, um, you know, I, I kept journeying through both my brother's past from substance. There was a lot of pain that they wanted to escape. Um, I found my partner um, hanging from a ceiling, a beautiful man that had um, a very big heart but was in a lot of pain as well. And I always had this capacity to see people's pain and versus, you know, I was always wanting to be the one to, to hold and save. You know, the, the journey went on um, to the point where it got to, to finding my beautiful mother. She'd had a heart attack in a spa bath. And I was just like, you know, got to that full-blown WTF moment, hands in the air. <laughs> and, you know, what I do call that WTF moment now is the waking to freedom moment when we know what to do with it. And that's, you know, what we're going to dive into and unpack tonight. But it got, it got to a point where I was... Um, in full-blown complex uh, PTSD, trauma, bedridden depressions. Um, I was told I was going to be on antipsychotics and antidepressants for the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, I, I just really had to find my way out of a very, very, very dark place from, you know, right down to, and the tools that I gathered. Um, my beautiful father passed away about two years ago now. I didn't find out till three months after he passed. Um, and that was another whole world of grief 
um, and dealing with where he went in his trauma and his pain to be able to really understand and apply all this knowledge that I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you all tonight mm. because it's, it's, it's such a powerful journey. But when we know, you know, it was when I was driving home, this is what I was sharing down in Melbourne, I was driving home one night and I was looking in my rear vision mirror and a blanket in the back of my car because it got to the point where my reality had started distorting. Like I was getting peripheral flashes and things around me. I just, I really, I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't leave the house. And it was this night that I was driving home and I was looking in the rear vision mirror and the blanket in the back of the car looked like someone had passed away and everything in me wanted to turn around and give that blanket CPR. And I'm like, what's going on here? What, why is everything in me want to believe that that is a person versus a blanket? And it was really the 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 most powerful um, experience. And that one question led me to understanding the power of perception and and unpacking how we see life. Yeah, because the the trauma that we deal with. Um, on varying degrees, especially um, in the varying varying types of trauma, can distort our reality. And so, when we're able to understand how to deal with that trauma and how to self-regulate in those times, we can start to really give ourselves more space and grace to to live. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, we are really hard on ourselves, aren't we? Like we, we feel these emotions and they become really overwhelming and then we get these emotions and we're like, oh, I can't be feeling like that. And so you kind of like suppress it and, and push it away so that you don't have to feel it because we know that that's uncomfortable and hard and awkward and you don't really want to sometimes take the effort to move through that. Mm, mm. And that's where the magic is, right? It's, it's like when we can learn to be uncomfortable with being, when we can learn to become uncomfortable and our survival mechanism, that's everything that, that's happening when we're in those flight, fight and freeze responses. It wants to move us away from, it wants to protect us. But mm. when we are actually, when we are not in any threat physically and, you know, we can actually start to understand how these emotions and how these uncomfortable feelings, the anxiety, the depressions are wanting to come up, the depression, the suppression of the past, the anxieties, the fear of the future. Anxiety from everything that I've, in, in my clinical practice and how I've worked with it in myself, is that that central nervous system wants to go through an upgrade, yeah? Mm. So when that anxiety is coming through, instantly we've been conditioned to believe we're broken. There's something wrong with us, yeah. But what actually is wanting to happen is that that the 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 memories that are stored in the in the anxiety central nervous system are wanting to come up to come out to transform. But we send through the the cognitive behavior, the the cognitive biofeedback loop. We start feeding it. We start feeding it more and more. I'm broken. I'm fearful. I'm anxious. And so we get stuck in the loop. And when we know how to intercept that loop, we can start to take back control of our experience, yeah? Mm. Well, I think it's really easy when you're stuck in trauma. Like, you know, I talk a lot and I talk to uh, our listeners uh, a lot about having trauma fog and, mm. you know, I, talk, I say it like I was like wearing a bucket on your head because, mm. <laughs> you know, it's it's that disassociation when you're going through something really extreme or whether it's grief or loss or, you know, you're coming through child abuse or whatever it might be for you. Mm. Um, your system, when it becomes too much, we, we enter into this disassociation phase. It's like a trauma mm. response of coping, you know, and then we disappear in ourselves and, you know, we're not making conscious decisions because we, we, we're we sort of, I mean, we, we're exactly what you were just saying, you know, we're, and we just go back into that cycle, right? If we can't break through it, we end up just going back into that washing machine cycle and just going over yeah. and over and over again yeah so, and that's the whole thing that cycle isn't it it's just that biofeedback mm. that loop and then we start to feed it and we start to get caught in it yeah and we come out of that that executive the back into the the flight flight reptilian brain so we, we don't we Damn and this is the old work. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> the oldest part of our brain from the reptilian oh. day 
Yeah. Well, I want to say I love you, reptilian brain. I thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you yeah, for your exactly. time. Exactly. 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 <laughs> You've done your work, my friend. Now bugger mm. off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The upgrading. Right. We are moving through that. We are as as a species. I really believe mm. we're starting to the incredible neuroscience and all that's being in shared in to to really support and get this understanding. And I really feel that you know, as a survivor, once we start to empower ourselves with this knowledge. Then the next step is the implementation, the the actual applying that knowledge. Yeah, we can have it as an understanding, but when we're in the trigger, that's where the work is. When we can consciously respond to those unconscious reactions, yeah, and we could be in a shopping mall, we could get a sideways look from somebody, we could, and that trigger starts. That trigger just starts, and you're like, here I go, here I go. But when we have the tools, when we have the tools to know how to intercept that biofeedback and exactly what you just said before thanking that reptilian brain thank you thank you for protecting me because our bodies are doing exactly what they're supposed to do and that's protect us exactly mm. what they're supposed to do i remember being in a full-blown episode after i found mum, and I'd, I'd heard about this amazing cognitive behavioral therapist worked with 9-11 crew and the war vets and police I'll give it a shot, you know, I'll give it a shot. So I took a drive up to to Brisbane. I was, I was here on the coast at the time and I had a full-blown episode on the highway. By the time I got to his office, I was I was almost in convulsions. Like he sat me down, gave me a glass of water, got me to do some breathing. And he looked at me and he's like, now, Michelle, I want you to thank this process. I was like, what would I want to do that? Oh, you know? Why would I want to do that? And when he explained to me, because what we're doing every time we're able to take back a little bit more control, because when we have had trauma, we have lost control of our situation, yeah? So for me, the gift of trauma is learning how to regain the control of our experience, yeah? So trauma in Latin means wound, yeah? It's, it's the Latin derivative. It's a wound. So there's, there's, there's an exposure of something that's wanting to heal in us. And so when this beautiful cognitive behavioural therapist said to me, Mish, thank the process, thank the process. It was already a term that I was using, but I didn't understand it in, in this cognitive biofeedback system at the time. Because once we're able to truly thank that process, what we're saying to the biofeedback system is, I'm safe. Thank you for protecting me. Safe, right? And yeah. what's doing is it's like I don't have to send up the cortisol. I don't have to send out all those stress hormones to make sure that I keep you safe inside this perceived trauma because it's that pattern match right like I said it could be a sideways look for someone I was driving on the highway I had a flash yeah it could come out of nowhere so the perception of our experience doesn't actually mean it's happening to us in this moment but we're pattern matching back to the time of yeah. incident that isn't allowing us to be in the present moment so when we yeah. can it's like a conscious I call it conscious fitness We've really got to work that conscious fitness muscle to be able to hold in those times, to be able to intercept, to be able to really take back the driver's seat. Yeah. Mm. It's, a, it's a really interesting way because, um, Michelle, I, I don't think I've heard anyone explain it like that. So it's really nice to hear it in a different way because the way that you're explaining it is um, it's, it's, it's quite beautiful because a lot of survivors are so scared of being triggered like it's like a taboo word and it's like all oh, triggered oh, don't want to trigger you know i'm like be triggered i'm like please be triggered you know because when i say this and when i talk about this i call it you know our alarm center like it's our body's way of saying hey deal with this shit like there's something there's something here i want you to know and you have an opportunity in that moment to either choose to let it go back into that cycle right mm. back into the washing machine and go over and over or or as you're saying you know just just be able to embrace that and and move through it knowing you know what you're okay and because a flashback and, and triggers are sometimes really misunderstood and mm. what you're saying and how how i've heard it is um it's it's the chemical release when it's associated with that pattern what you're saying you know you see the sideways look or it might be you know, if you see, you might see a perpetrator again, or you might see um, someone that reminds you of, you know, maybe it's a loved one that you've lost, or 
um, a person that's hurt you or harm you and you'll get this feeling and you might get the sweaty palms and I call it a shame wash. Mm. You get all hot and mm. you almost like start to lose your voice. Mm. And it's that moment that you're talking about, I think that's what you're saying, and it's just to be clear, um, yeah. is that you then take that breath and that's you saying that biofeedback loop. It's like, okay, you're okay. Mm. You're okay. Yeah, you're exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's the only way we can grow because we, we keep ourselves stuck in these, you know, group shells, limiting beliefs and mm. um, not being able to be successful because you're like, well, I'm not going to allow myself to go there. And mm. I think I talked about it in, in one of the earlier episodes about being gently curious. Say so gently curious. Don't be, don't be mean to yourself. Like you've already had enough crap to deal with, right? Uh -huh. so it's just about going, okay, well, what's this about for me? What's what's going on here? You're all right. Like not <laughs> I wrote in my book, I'm like, <laughs> all the words that I would say to myself, I'm like, come on, you fucking know better than that. Like, yeah. and I would just, my internal language was yeah. just so harsh. awful to myself and harsh. And mm. I didn't know any other way to motivate myself to like, come on, get out of this. You can do better than this. Like, and, but it was me being stuck in a system that wasn't working because I didn't know how to move through this loop, this Pattern, you know, mm. we're not taught those things as kids, and I think we just have to, like, for anyone who's listening, forgive ourselves for not knowing, right? Mm. That's it. Well, that's just it, and, and and this is this is why I so like yourself want to get this education to the schools, into the into these organisations where people need it the most, yeah, where people yeah. need it the most because we need, and we're as a species we're we're on an incredible trajectory of 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 healing and transformation but it's being shown to us at this time in an incredible amount of pain yeah but we don't know yeah. what to do as a species we don't know what to do with pain and we need to recreate our relationship with pain with trauma with fear yeah for me it's the activator of our potential but again, this is when you were talking about before we've got, you know, being when we're uncomfortable, we want to move away from it's our natural instinct. Yeah, it's our natural instinct. So when we are able to move and lean in, yeah, lean into mm. those experiences to, to self-soothe, to self-regulate. And, and what I find is with teenagers, um, they, they actually harness this the quickest. Yeah, the older yeah. we get, the more old stock, I like to call it, the old stock we've built up, the more layers of, of protection. When we can get to, to the younger generation, they're the ones that transform the quickest. It's it's such a beautiful thing to, to see and watch, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I think, the, I think the older we get, the harder we are in ourselves and we have these quite high expectations of what we should and shouldn't be able to do. And for mm. many of us, particularly when you've got a lived experience or you're dealing with like domestic violence or something like that, you, you're actually internally going back to a very, I think, childlike state. And, you know, because we all want to be loved and kept safe and held and be in this environment where um, you're, you're just safe and you're seen and you're heard and you're understood. And being understood means that, um, you know, things change as a result of what you're going through. You know, yeah. a, a lot of survivors, they share their stories and, you know, people are going through, they, they share what's happening to them and then nothing happens, nothing changes, mm. right? And so in what, when you say nothing changes in what sense? Nothing, there's no action, there's no change in their pattern or um, the pe people around them that are they're like supporting them, they're not actually really supporting them, they're providing like a lip service. So being safe, yeah. seen and heard, and to me being heard is actually being listened and when you, someone listens to you, they take mm. action. There's an actual change in behaviour. Mm. And I'll, mm. to anyone who's listening, if, if you're sharing with someone and you've got, it's very hard to heal in a toxic environment. And if you're saying what you need and you're sharing what you need, you know, you're grieving something, grieving loss, whatever it might be, you're saying what you need and the person in your life is not listening or they're mm. not actioning or they're not trying to make a difference or change or support you, they're not your people. Mm. Well, you're also a trauma bond, isn't it? 
it's also a trauma bond. So it's it's how we learn to unconsciously recognize love, yeah. And so we stay in these trauma bonds, and we we go into these really um, these places. But the thing is that part of us that is is traumatized is a part of us internally that did not feel seen, heard, loved, or safe, right? Mm, and so exactly. When we can when we can do that for ourselves. And so when you're in these toxic environments and they keep playing out, these, you know, these codependent situations versus co, until we can self-regulate, we're in codependence, yeah? So when yeah. these parts of ourselves that want to be seen, heard and loved is the part of us that we need to bring in and see, hear and love ourselves. And that's our trauma. That's that trigger. And when we can bring that in and sit down and have a cup of tea with it and talk to it like a friend, just like we're having a chat right now, Hey, how you doing? Thanks for showing up, old friend. Pain, fear, confusion, trauma. How you yeah. doing? How are you trying to ask me to grow now? How are you trying to ask me to heal? How are you trying to ask to set me free? Yeah. Yeah. And so what Parenting you your inner child. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. hundred percent. And I see so many people and it's, you know, it's almost like an older ego. It's like an alter ego, this part of us. And the irony of it is it's trying to be the protector, but it's actually manifesting and creating the very thing we don't want because we're ready to actually harness it, see it, hear it, and heal it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really mm -hmm. ironic. From a transformational model, it's, it's, it's an ironic process. It's not linear. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, it shows up at different times in your life cycle, depending on where you're at and sort of the environment you're in, the world you're in at that point in time, what relationships you have. Um, you know, the dynamics are constantly changing. But as you said right at the beginning, it was like what tools you have. Mm. Um, and the more tools you have available to you and the more willing, I think, that you're able to um, approach those, I guess, uh, when, the, when the triggers, or so triggers, when they come up and those moments come up and you get that feeling when you can go, you know what, I'm okay, it's all right, I know that this isn't good, but we're just going to have a little cup of tea, have a conversation with, mm -hmm. without, you know, say, hey, you doing, what's going on, you know, and, and really just um, acknowledge yourself. Like yeah. I, think, I think we don't do that enough because, I don't know, we're also bloody busy. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even have a cup of tea, you, you know, with anyone else, let alone myself. So it's like... You know, taking the time and being bold, like self-care doesn't have to just be like getting a facial, like not that I would actually know what that's about. Um, you know, I, I don't even look my nails. It's terrible. Um, uh, I love it. Day smart day next week. <laughs> well, okay, okay, look, you're going to have to totally educate me because I have no idea. So Self-care is not just getting your hair cut and, you know, getting all your skin scraped off or whatever you ladies do. Yeah. Um, but it's, <laughs> just heads up, I'm not one of those. I don't spend a lot of time in the day, but. Setting <laughs> uh, strong boundaries, right? Like, oh, come on, Shell. <laughs> you know, I actually don't. I don't even mind the dress, all right? I love it. Um, yeah. self-care, guys, is like saying not today. Um, I'm just dealing with something yeah. and, you know, I just need some time. It's saying what you need. It's being able to feel safe to say what you need. Mm. So self-care is not just like the superficial stuff. Like, you know, those things make us feel good. And, you know, I mean, I love getting a head wrap at the hairdresser. Like, come on, that is one thing that I will say. <laughs> Get their fingernails in, right? I love it. But you know, it, it's it's those things look after the outside part, right? Yeah, it's the internal need, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've got to just be able to say, okay, I just need time. And that's the same with the grieving process. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's, you know, going back into that. So, you know, Shell, when I first heard you talk at the course, mm -hmm. I was like, man, that 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 woman, and I didn't know you were there, that woman has had like more grief than most people have had to experience in their entire lifetime, which is why I wanted to have this conversation with you. That obviously we could talk about like everything, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, yeah. Like, but moving through that process mm. and, and every single, because you know, like there's so many parts of us that we grieve having gone through child sexual abuse. Right. Mm. And as a survivor myself, like, I guess I don't think of, 
that as grief, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking about all the stuff that you're sharing tonight and, you know, the triggers and, like, moving through those things. And it's such a powerful perception, you know, Mm. um, that, that you're sharing with us. And I think it's a beautiful way to look at those moments when we think we've lost something but actually we, we just hold on to what we've lost and we forget to think about actually what we can gain by Damn. moving through right mm, moving through and just being like you know what i love you you're beautiful you've had to work really hard to get here um i'm proud of you you know and just being able to say you're okay you're okay you've got this take a breath go to vegas i say go to vegas you vegas nerve take a breath Okay, Vegas nervous. Like, okay, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, just being so like kind and to yourself in those moments, and recognizing that you know a lot of these feelings of anger and shame, um, you know, and and these deep feeling of loss, mm. it's exactly the same feeling um, as when you've lost somebody in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 And grief is such a powerful, powerful emotion. It really is. And, you know, you just so beautifully, you know, framed that up in, in, in both loss of, you know, a beloved or someone we love or loss of identity or a loss of um, a part of ourselves or, as, as you just said, the, the anger and the shame that is sitting underneath it. And what I what I've come to understand is is the the language of our emotions are so powerful, you know, and and so shame is us is be, is asking us to reclaim our worth. The anger in its in its unconscious form is saying I feel powerless under threat and I need to protect myself. Right. So we do one of two things: we suppress the anger and we go into yeah. the passive aggressive. I'm fine. Yeah. Or we go into the projection, right? The full, the, the full rage. But when we can harness anger, the anger is a very powerful emotion. It it actually as the phoenix rising. It's asking us to burn off all this old pain, all this old fear, to access what's sitting underneath. And it's usually the grief. The, 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 the anger is the protector of the grief, or the grief is on top of the anger. And there is no law of order with, with you know, we were talking about Elizabeth Cooper Ross's, you know, um, five orders of grief. Yeah, and it, they can happen in, in any order. The thing is with grief, it has no order, it has no rule. No, it, has that's no, right. it can just happen at any time. Again, just like someone giving a sideways look, you could see someone who reminds you of something, or um, a part of yourself that you feel lost as 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 um, the potential of pattern matching to a perpetrator through that perception. But whatever that trigger is, yeah, whatever that emotion is. We haven't been taught how to translate it, especially in its negative form, especially in its painful form. And that I feel is what I contribute, is is helping people to lean in and be with this part of themselves, to understand. And so when that grief kicks in, sometimes grief is also deeply linked to guilt, yeah? So guilt can be deeply linked and, and guilt in its unconscious form is saying I've taken on an external limiting belief as my own. So yeah. what you're asking us to do is reclaim the power. Guilt in its conscious form is saying reclaim you. I know that's a really convoluted explanation until you experience it. But guilt, when we can, you know, the shame is saying reclaim your worth. Anger is saying burn off the old and, and reclaim your power. The, the guilt is saying choose you. It's time to choose you, Yeah. And these are all the underlying currents of grief as asking us to let go, to allow that new, to allow that change to occur. But sometimes we don't, we hold on to the known pain because it's safe. It's actually protecting what we know. know. And to move towards that unknown is where we start to hit all those flight, flight and freeze responses, yeah, because it's like, (gasps) yeah. But that change is so powerful. It's so powerful. And and we don't understand change, in, in my opinion. We fear it because, to me, we're coming home to the unchanging and wavering part of who we truly are. Yeah, the only two fears we came into this world with was the, the fear of loud noises and heights. Boom, that's our natural instinct. The rest is learned. Yeah. The rest is learned, yeah? Mm. And so 
we're coming home to the unwavering, unchanging part of who we are. But what we're letting go of is all the fear and the protection mechanisms. That's what's changing. That's what we're letting go of. And so when we're the only species that really holds on in that way, if you look at every other species, um, and I don't want to get too far into the metaconsciousness, and, an animal just itself <laughs> to be an animal. If it goes into flight, flight, freeze, it's, it's and, and, and again, I don't want to go too far down this path because I know there's a lot of research with dogs and animals in, the, in this way. But what I'm trying to say here is um, we are a very, very powerful species and when we have the consciousness to know how to harness our experience without making it right or wrong, good or bad, and polarising our experience, yeah, good, bad, negative, positive, to be able to be with what is to be able to be with what is right here, right now, so we can consciously respond to it. Every experience is of equal value, yeah? And and when I went through my darkest of darkest times, my mantra was the bigger the hit, the bigger the gift, Mish. The bigger the hit, the bigger the gift. And I just kept sitting with that until I could find the gift, yeah, until I could find the gift in some deep, dark pain. And there were some corridors I didn't think I was going to come out of. There were some really dark, dark corridors that I could not see any light or any door for a very long time, for a very, very long time, which is why I, I went and studied every modality, which is why I went and because I would get insight and understanding from different modalities, but I, I wasn't getting the full transformation. So I'd get space and understanding, but boom, there was the cycle again, another toxic, abusive relationship, another, you know, finding else, finding someone else dead or someone passing mm-hmm. away. Another, you know, I had a lot of stalkers and you name it. It, it just kept appearing. And it didn't matter what I did, there it was again until the, to the point that my trigger was so bad I'd have to mandrag myself to get out the door. Like I literally would have to mandrag myself to get down the road to get some food to come back to work, to my doona because my doona was my safe place. Mm. That's where I spent so what, three months of the time. Mm, what, what made you like? take the step through that like what was the the final key to unlocking you to to fully transform out of that to the michelle i know today to the one that was stuck in that little big dark cavernous gorge where wherever Mm. you you know what what was that thing that you went i've got this i understand now click it was it was a choice that i wasn't going to be stuck there i just i just knew there had to be more I knew there had to be more to this human experience. I just, I just, there had to be an answer. And the last words my mother said to me, ironically, was I was having a hell of a week. Um, long story short, I was having a really big week and sort of came to see mom, hands in head, going, What are you going to do to cut a break on this planet? You're right. <gasps> and a pink curlers and dressing gown, a pink curlers, a pink dressing gown and a curler. She turned around, she looked at me and went, Shelly, there's always an answer. And they were the last words I heard. Next time I saw her, she had a heart attack in the spa bar. Those words stayed with me. There's always an answer. There's always an answer. And I just kept going until I found it, which is why I created the process that I've done, the success method, um, to create, to take all these pieces. What I've come to understand is that we can't compartmentalise therapy anymore. It's got to be an integrated model. And what I've come to understand is the trilogy of transformation, cognitive, neural and energetic. And when we pull these three systems together, we have a complete transformation, yeah? But when we yeah. compartmentalise them, we we get insight and understanding, but we don't get the transformation. And so That's this right. is a big component to, to my process. It's yeah. it's really interesting you say that. And I just want to, if I had a microphone, I would have dropped it when you said it was about making the choice. I would have been like, yes, because yeah. that is it. And, and, and you know, besides the other stuff about compartmentalising, I'm, all, it ha- you can't have one without the other. It's as simple as that. You have to have all of it. And and I'm seeing this and feeling this for myself now, right? Like as I'm stepping into my true passion and, and trying to try not yeah. to you know, yeah. do everything else. I'm like, all right, take me as I am, right? Um, yeah. You know, and, and being able to fully embrace it and not that, you know, um, this abuse part or this grief part or whatever is all of me. It's mm. not. It's one part of me. There are many parts to me, and I'm going to love them all equally. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, but I have a choice to make, and I have a choice to make every moment, every time mm. I get triggered, every time mm. it really hurts, and every time, 
you know, I see a decision looming and I'm like, oh, I'm too scared to do that. Have a choice. And to make a choice means to cut off all other options, right? Mm -hmm. Choosing mm -hmm. means cutting everything else off. So mm -hmm. when you choose, you haven't really chosen if you go back to what you were doing before and you haven't mm -hmm. really chosen if you continue to re repeat the pattern of behavior, right? Mm -hmm. To choose is to cut off all other options. So when I say to you, you want to heal, you have mm -hmm. to choose. There's no other option. You keep pressing forward and, mm -hmm. and making those choices. And even in the smallest thing, do I sleep in this morning? No, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to pursue my healing. I'm going to do what I've said to myself I'm going to do. I'm going to do my meditation or whatever it is that you're going to do. Mm. You choose and you cut off all other options. Mm. And I love that you said that because um, to me, now that I know what I know, because you don't know what you know unless no. you know it. But, you know, now that I know, there's no other choice, right? Because mm. if you choose to stay stuck, you, you're not... You're this, this beautiful gift, like we're all this gift to the world. Mm -hmm. And by staying stuck in your bullshit, staying stuck in your patterns and trauma and all that sort of stuff, yes, it's not your fault that you're there, mm -hmm. but you know what? No one else is going to do the healing for you, Amen. right? Yeah. You have yeah. to do that for yourself. And it sucks yeah. that you have to do it. It sucks that the person that's done this to you or, or you know, you've been in your you're here because of this other person yeah it sucks but yeah. you 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 have a choice yeah and yeah not gonna hear you for you absolutely you and so many people don't know they've got that choice though right so many people don't yeah. know that they've got that choice and and it's it's when i see people realize that they do and that light comes on i'm just like yes another one flies yeah. free another one flies free yeah yeah but if hitting those we are repeating those cycles and we're going back to those default behavior cycles people places spaces you know that bs that you were talking about you it's it's Sorry. we're still you know what's you know truth or trigger truth or trigger what's bs what's not and so the bs is the belief system yeah the you, we turn that bs we turn that shit into fertilizer and we grow but again, we need to we need to have the tools to know what to do with that BS, right? Because again, those trauma bonds are so strong; they are a force like no other. And even though we cognitively are saying no, 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 boom! Before we know it, the default's back, and we're back in the abusive situation. We're back in whatever that is, and we're just like, how? How am I back here? Because what's yeah. happening is we're trying to do it at a cognitive level. Right, but there's a whole other process, 90% deeper. And when we know how to unlock that trauma bond through the emotional intelligence, yeah, because it's it, our emotions are like magnets, and and the force is so strong. It is so strong. And until we know how to unlock that bond, that reoccurring cycle, when that trigger the when that trigger comes up and, and the more amplified that trigger is, it's the more, one of a better word, your soul level saying to you, can you please see and hear this pain so I can set you free? Yeah. Mm. But it's, it's up in our grill and there's nowhere else to go. And this is when we're in, when I was in full-blown complex PTSD, there was nowhere else to go. And I could either choose to stay entrapped inside the limitation or I could crack the code. And thank the Lord I found the way. And I've now been able to show a lot of other people the same, the, the pathway out of there. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful, Shell. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I just, um, you know, I think one thing that's really important is that whole acceptance thing. Like, you know, there's a, a whole lot of, you know, we're talking about Kubler-Ross and, and the stages of grieving and all that sort of stuff. I think acceptance is really hard. And I just want to get really clear on one part is that, when we're talking, particularly for those who obviously because, you know, this is for a lot of people listening or they'll have a lived experience, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're grieving a lot of childhood stuff. And, and when I say acceptance, I don't want you to think for one second that mm -hmm. when you accept that you're actually saying that um, it was okay and, you know, that, that what happened was okay and you're sort of, you know, going down that line of thinking. Acceptance mm -hmm. means you're accepting yourself in spite of. It doesn't mean that. Um, 
you know, by, by any way, shape or form that what happened was okay or anything like that. So I just want to make that really clear for anyone who's listening because, um, you know, it, it's it's not something that you've allowed to happen to you. And then by, I think a lot of people hold on to this pain because they're angry mm. and they believe that by letting it go or moving through that stage of acceptance and and um, being able to move on with your life means that, you know, you've kind of forgotten about all this, that you finally said it's okay and it's not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's part of grieving as well. Like acceptance yeah. can bring on the grief because we are letting go, right? And so yeah. there's also there's also that expression of grief. It has so many expressions. And sometimes mm-hmm. that, that acceptance means we've got to let go of part of us that has been protecting us. But as you beautifully differentiated, it does not mean to say you're accepting yeah, that that is okay or, um, yeah, I don't need to say that again, mm. but, yeah, acceptance is such a, it, it, it's a huge differentiation and such a powerful, powerful um, place to sit in, yeah, and it's it's really associated, you know, I don't know, you know, to the root chakra about the acceptance of being being grounded and present and in your empowerment because that's, that's the base chakra, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm pleased you reiterated because I felt like I didn't explain it very well. So yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it's very powerful. Like I, I second that motion. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Shell, what what are your top tips? Like, what what are your tips for moving through grief for people who who are struggling with with their grief and loss? What would you say to them? Yeah. So. Again, there's many, many layers of grief, many, many different expressions of grief, but it's it's bringing it in. It's being okay with the grief. It's it's learning how to sit with that part of yourself to know that, number one, you're in a very natural human process and that acceptance piece, accepting I'm in grief right now because until we do, we're in denial, which is the first stage of grief, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's like when we come out of the denial, when we come out of the the fight and, and that numbness, because denial has a lot of numbness to it as well, and that's a feeling. Mm-hmm. That, you know, so when I'm journeying with people, working with people, they're like I'm just numb. And I'm like when we get to that point of being numb, we, we, we're actually at a capacity where we've had so much trauma and pain that that is the, the the epitome of the protection mechanism working at its fullest, yeah? So mm-hmm. when we come out of that place and then we realise that we're, we're sitting with grief, we've just got to be with it. That really, that's, it's, it's, it's the place to be. But I would always suggest getting support because you don't, sometimes in, when you're in a deep place like this, it's very hard to to differentiate versus disassociate yeah so i would be able to it's it's accepting it it's getting support around it and then it's feeling it and letting it go it's feeling and letting it go but you've got to identify this is why i suggest support is to identify what it is you're letting go of yeah because that can create a confusion so if you if you're aware of what the grief is about and you have the capacity and the tools to let it go then it's a process it's giving yourself that space that self-care and that time to allow and to have your inner circle be very very vigilant of the people yeah. you have around you at that time yeah some people mm. think they're helping but very few people have the tools and to know what to do and have the empathy to to sit with you in that time yeah mm. and it's hard too some people don't have the capacity like you're saying exactly. um, and, and they're not always the right people to walk through that journey with you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's always... With all good intentions. And most people have such good intentions. They really do, you know. They really do. But what tends to happen is you end up managing people, managing you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's that's no disrespect because it's it's all comes from good intentions. So be very, very mindful of who you have around you in those times. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just self-care, right? right yeah and it's hard it's hard to do that but you re- you really have got to do that at some point but i think uh, i think one thing that's really important for this community particularly is 
grieving the people that are, are still alive in our life, mm. right, um, but are not present in our life and didn't believe mm. us or didn't um, didn't believe us, didn't, you know, acknowledge or, or, you know, weren't part of what was happening to us and we feel like they've either abandoned us or, you know, we're part of like you, you know if we, i talk a lot about betrayal trauma in mm. in child abuse and um you know domestic violence and things like that where the person that you love is the person that hurts you mm. um you know and then you try to say what you need and then that person is not present mm. or not available or doesn't take action and um there's a real difficult space there where you know we still hold in our mind uh the the wonderful person that is is the person that we love mm. but then we still some we make allowances i think for this behavior and mm. and those types of things in that space mm. um and it, and it creates it's, it's called splitting in psychology where you you restore you know the 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 good person but then you know you've still got this bad person who's done these bad things to you and mm -hmm. it's it's very difficult because you grieve right you grieve the loss of this good person when you finally get to that part where you have the power to step away from it right uh -huh. and you grieve the loss of that relationship and i think it's really important um to acknowledge so my story my my abuse my abuser was my uncle right and he was an amazing uncle mm -hmm. <laughs> but he was he was grooming me right he was grooming uh -huh. me and then he sexually abused me so he wasn't so amazing but in my eyes as a child, he was incredible. We loved him so much. And, you know, he helped our family. He did a lot to support us. Mm. And I just, I just want to acknowledge that it's okay and quite normal mm. to grieve the loss of your perpetrator, right? Don't. It's yeah. a massive statement to make and it makes me a little, I can feel my little shame wash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I had to say that on this episode because I just want people to acknowledge that it's hard. You don't have to beat yourself up for that for a start. Mm. You have to understand that there's two parts. There's all different parts to a person. Mm. And if you're a child, you have childlike thoughts about these adults in your life, whether it's your mom, maybe they were a narcissistic mom or an abusive dad or, you know, it was your brother or stepbrother or whoever it was in your life. Mm there's still someone that you love and you love parts of that person mm. and you hate parts of that person, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's very normal to miss the good parts of that person when they're no longer part of your life but you still separate that bad part, you know? So it's you, you kind of you, you do grieve that person and we don't think that you, that's why you get so angry, right? Because yeah. you before you get so angry about this whole thing he's like how dare you right so you're going through all these stages of of grieving how dare you why did you do this so you're bargaining you're like why i can't believe you would do this to me why would you betray me why would you why would you not listen to me why would you not acknowledge me why do you, why are you doing this to me mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. and yeah then you go through this process but you think then you get then you do this to yourself you're like how can you how can you care for this person Mm. right mm. how do you how can you feel this way about this person mm. it's a big thing and i've never actually spoken out loud so i feel really strange right now no but it's powerful <laughs> it's very powerful and very very true like i read i hear you i've experienced it and you're bang on kill and it's something i think needs voice so yeah very powerful well done sweetheart <laughs> yeah <you>. yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Betrayal trauma is one of the most confusing traumas of them all and it's the deepest. It cuts the deepest because of that polarity, because of that split. Yeah, it, it's like the, the the very thing that hurt you cannot, is also the very thing that gave you so much comfort, right? Mm. But yeah, I just, I just, for anyone who's hearing that part particularly, I just want you to, to mm. not beat yourself up for having a normal human reaction to something that is so complex that you're not supposed to understand as a child and you're definitely not supposed to understand really when you're stuck in trauma because you can't really differentiate conscious yeah you can't consciously understand because your brain is you know in a fight or flight mode or you know you're having trauma response you've been stuck into that trauma fog right mm. so just just 
be kind to yourself and be gracious and be like, you know what, you, you did what you had to do mm-hmm. and acknowledge there's nothing wrong with you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just give some comfort to yourself knowing that you're actually really brave having to go through and have all these confusing, conflicting emotions around this. It's, it's totally normal. And that's why we have Off the Cuff with Cal, why we're having these big conversations because this stuff needs to get out like it does it does even i learned from this i mean come on (laughs) yeah 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 so true so true so true it's so true yeah no i I can't agree with you more there's nothing really i can add to that you just you just yeah yes yeah (laughs) snap okay yeah (laughs) all right well we've just got um just a couple of questions here so we'll um jump into those real quick and then um, we'll have, I'm going to have to get you to come back because I feel like there's a million things that we could talk about. Oh, yeah, um, I'd love to. I would absolutely love to. <laughs> uh, many places we um, can go. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'll just, I, I'm sitting there trying to think about what I'm supposed to say next, but I'm, like, too busy listening to what you're saying, going, oh, my God, how does that work? That's really cool. And it's been, like, trying to process. I'm, like, I can't keep up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We've definitely got lots to talk about. Um, all right, the first question we've got here uh, says, many clients in child protection asked, how do you know when you're ready to go through the process? How did it f- feel for you? And how did you know when you're ready to do, w- ready to go through the process? So yeah. I, I might just even just agree with, I guess, the process of going through grief maybe. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to talk about how you know you're ready to move through, and I'll, I'll the fact it. that you're even asking yourself tells me the answer. If you're if you're if you're inquiring, you've got that that call, but there's that resistance around you. Mm. The fact that you're asking the question tells me you're, you're already heading towards that the path. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I'll just elaborate just in case we haven't answered the question. Is when you're ready to report. Um, you just kind of get to a place where I think, and this is how I did it, the need to speak up is more powerful than the need to stay silent, right? Mm-hmm. You have to come to a point um, yeah. where this need to move, whatever the process is, whether it be reporting you, the, the abuse is happening. I'm sorry. It's well, it, it's, it's, it's not, it hasn't quite got the answer it's not quite clear so i'm giving both answers Got it. Okay. <laughs> um so move, moving through the abuse itself or being able to report or whatever it's making a decision and um i think when when the need to make that decision or whether it be reporting or being able to move through your healing is more important to you than being stuck in the cycle then you know you're ready and like like um mish has just said you know, when it becomes really cloudy and clunky around it, you know you've got to move. Like otherwise, you're going to get stuck there. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a it's a big thing. Um, and I know for me, when I, I mean, healing for me has been a lifelong journey, right? Um, but I, I I hope to roll out my courses very soon, and I'm going to uh, take you through 12 weeks of uh, what I would have done in a lifetime if I'd known. So. Make sure that you um, are following uh, through my social media once I reveal that course to you guys. It's going to be freaking amazing. So um, make sure you are following, guys. So, yeah, so it did, and it felt amazing, and it felt like I'd taken a backpack full of rocks off my back mm-hmm. and I could dance and cry at the same time naked in the rain. So that's how <laughs> it feels, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good description. Try not to let Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that's hopefully that answers that but um the, the other part i think we've covered off uh a little bit is and i'll just it's a long question but i'll see if i can pop it up on the screen um it's, it's quite long there um but I, I think it alludes to the fact that when we share things with our family um you know it, it's really difficult sometimes because um they're not there for you mm. um that makes it really hard i don't need to wind up the whole question but <clears throat> excuse me so not getting supported by family when you you know manage to disclose mm. um, but how do you overcome the fear that you've carried with you from a very young age show i'll hand over to you for a sec <laughs> 
Yeah, again, it, it's it's getting the support. It really is. It's getting it's getting the support to to harness to be able to recreate that relationship to the fear. Yeah, the, especially when the family unit um, have really gone into that denial process. Yeah, it's crucial that you that you find someone that you feel safe with, that you can be held with, and that can really start to help you. You know that that haze, that trauma haze that that Kel's been talking about. It's it's very hard when you're in the full flight of it to be able to to be able to unpack it by yourself. Yeah. So my suggestion is to really find the person that can hold you, support you, and start to help you unpack these layers for you to be able to differentiate, to come in, to know what the truth is for you, your truth. Yeah. To be able to trust in that truth. And then you're going to start to really find your strength, yeah? You're going to really mm. start to find your strength. Yeah, I think fear is such a massive emotion because it just prevents us from um, from growing in so many areas of our life. And uh, we mentioned earlier uh, in, in this episode about, um, you know, the, the trigger moment. Mm. And, and fear does that, right? We get to this point and... Uh, you'll you'll notice that things will start to happen. You'll you'll do you'll, you'll go through a cycle. It'll be a pattern of behaviour that you specifically have mm. for you. So let's just say um, it's about a job promotion, right? Let's just say that you know um, there's an opportunity in your workplace to get a promotion. Mm. So you you get the email and you're there and you start typing it, but you're thinking, oh my god, I can't really do this. And so you'll start doing stuff like. Maybe you don't quite write the email properly, knowing that that's actually not going to get you the job, right? So you sabotage, mm -hmm. you will sabotage your ability to get that job because you're giving in, you're feeling that trigger start to happen. You're like, mm -hmm. I don't deserve this. I don't think I should be doing this. And so you'll do something to stop yourself from getting that opportunity, right? So, so that fear is inhibiting every part of your life. And so when you notice that, and it might not be an email. It might be a conversation with someone that you find challenging to talk to, mm. right? You'll have a specific set of behaviours that you do when you're afraid mm. and you have to become aware of those behaviours yeah. and conscious of those behaviours and people in your life who you will listen to and say, you're doing that thing again. Mm. You take that moment, you feel it, like it might be that you start getting sweaty palms or start yelling at the kids or whatever it might be, right? Mm. And you take a deep breath, you get curious about it and you have to move through so that you're growing in those moments and you're not um, putting yourself back into that limiting belief, right? Mm. But, again, it's having, a, it's having a go towards, right? So it's knowing when those default behaviours in, in Mish language come up, where your what your choice is. You've got to have a choice to go towards. So you can identify them, but where do we go towards? What what is our choice? What is the alternative to that behaviour? And again, recreating that relationship with fear, understanding. Okay, how is this fear showing up right now to set me free? Fear to freedom, right? The fear wants to actually. It's an activator of your potential. It's an activator of your growth. So it's recreating that relationship to the fear, yeah. It takes work. It takes work, but when you get there, it's 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 a fast track. You yeah. fast track your way through it. I think one good question for anyone out there who does this, because I do. I mean, I I'm on long service leave and I'm trying to do a lot at this time, but I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this, you know, because there's a lot of these fears popping up for me, going, I don't think I can do this, blah 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 blah. So. The question I keep asking myself is, um, is this a real fear? Mm. Is this just my past or my, my self-limiting belief or is this a fear that is, is, is it real? Is it a mm. real thing? If it's not mm. real, mm. I'll give it a move on direction, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So you just have to give yourself the time. You deserve that time. Give yourself the time and really get curious, dig deep and, you know, allow yourself, you deserve that, you deserve that opportunity, allow yourself to heal. So it's a massive thing, um, you know, pushing through your fear because you just don't know what's on the other side. But, you know, when you learn to grow through that, then it can only get better, right? Mm. And small steps too, 
you yeah. know, small steps, small steps, reinforce trust, reinforce that you can. You know, sometimes, yeah, initially small steps, small yeah. steps continuously. And I love that, you know, it's what I always say, eyes of curiosity versus eyes of persecution. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Eyes of curiosity. Good, good. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. Well, Mish, it's been amazing. Um, we are at the end of our episode already. We could have talked all night. I'm like about to lose my voice. <laughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me. So, um, guys, I just want to quickly uh, thank you all for tuning in to Off the Cup with Kel. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us tonight. Um, a wonderful, uh, very powerful conversation with you, which I'm sure uh, we're going to have more. So this is very exciting. Look forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for those of you out there listening, if you do enjoy this content, please make sure you subscribe to my Patreon account. Uh, I need your support to keep this going. So if you like this content, I'm offering Q&As, um, deep dives into content, all that sort of stuff, guys, so you can be part of the community. So please do that. Um, join us. Um, be part of it. And, guys, thank you again so much for being part of this with us. Um, and to the team at the back there helping out to make sure the live shows run. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much. All right. Mm. See you next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Michelle. Bye. Thank you so much for being part of Off the Cuff with Kel. Breaking cycles of abuse and trauma is not something that can be done alone and requires all of us working together. Your support makes a huge difference. If you've found the content of this podcast valuable, you can support my work through my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. You can also find me on all major social media platforms. Through my website, kellyhumphreys.com, you can contact me for speaking in workshops as well as purchase my first book, Unscathed Beauty. If you found any of the content today distressing, please reach out to appropriate support agencies in your country. For emergencies, contact your local law enforcement agency.